3, 15 through 18, it says, I know your deeds. You were neither cold nor hot. How I wish you were one or the other. So because you were lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I have grown wealthy and I need nothing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Verse 18 says, I counsel you to buy from me and skipping over verse 18 so that you were not exposed. Jesus says, anoint your eyes so that you may see. Therefore, be earnest and repent. This is a revelation to the church. Somebody say, that's me. Come on, somebody say, that's me. That's you. That's me. This life is not the end goal. There is a greater day ahead of us. And John says to the church, he says, if we repent, if we hold on to our first love, despite heartache, trials, afflictions, and tribulations, we will receive the crown of life. And Jesus said this. He said, buy from me. So I want to preach to you today, sold out. And man, I've come to preach to you, and I don't believe that it's an accident that I'm here. I believe that I have a word for you today, and I just believe that God has laid something heavy on my spirit today. But I believe that God has a word for you. If you're here today, I wonder if we could just lift our voice one more time all over this place and we could just thank God for his word. Can we do that? Lord, we thank you, Jesus, for your word. We ask that you open our hearts, open our minds to understand all that you have for us today, God. I pray, let your word go forth on every life, Lord, in faith, believing that you can do anything that we ask exceedingly and abundantly above all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Come on, somebody say, I'm ready. I'm ready. Amen. You can be seated. In Jesus' name, God bless you. I, uh, I was hosting this lock-in uh, about two years ago now, maybe a year and a half. Hosting this lock-in for uh, our youth group, our church. And Brother Starks, I don't know whose bright idea it was to have this lock-in for our youth group from 7 p.m. to 7 a.m., but I will never, ever do that again. <laughs> About 11.30 that night, we're four and a half hours into this event. I'm thinking, dude, it's time to wrap this thing up. I'm ready to go home, man. What have I signed up for? <laughs> oh. And all, all of a sudden, I hear this loud boom come from the hallway of our church. And I'm thinking, what could that be? You know, I'm thinking a student just ran into a wall. We have sheetrock walls. Thinking a kid just ran right through a wall. I mean, it was loud. Um, so I go out to the hallway. I open the door and I peek out. And it's, it's dark, naturally, uh, because we were playing hide and seek at our church. <laughs> we have a rule, though, no running in the sanctuary. Right, so there's rules, no, no running. But it's dark. But unnaturally, there is a dust cloud that has filled the atmosphere. <laughs> and I look down and I see one of our students is covered head to toe in sheetrock. I mean, he is just covered, dirty. And I look up and I see about a three-foot big around hole in the ceiling of our beautiful, beautiful church. I mean, it is right there as soon as you come in the door and you can't miss it. 
And so my first thought was, well, I'm fired. <laughs> I got to worry about the student that's, you know, laying there on the ground. <laughs> and I, I said, man, are you all right? He pops up right off the ground. And he says, yeah, I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> I said, dude, are, are you sure, man? I said, you fell about 10 feet just now. I said, are you sure you're all right? He said, yeah. He said, I'm fine. And I, he, he said two things to me. But he, he started showing me first. He started showing me what was wrong. He, he, I, I got to looking at him. I said, you know, you got to be concussed. I, I said, can you see my fingers? How many fingers am I holding up? You know, can you count them? And uh, he said, you know, you're holding up two fingers. I'm not seeing double or nothing like that. Uh, he said, but I'm, I'm a little sore right here on my side. I said, well, of course, you just fell about 10 feet. Uh, so I looked at his side, and it's, I mean, it is black and blue already. I mean, the swelling has started. Uh, there's blood trickling down. Uh, his clothes are ripped up a little bit. And, uh, but he said two things to me uh, that I will never forget. First thing that he said was, please don't call my mom. <laughs> but the second thing that he said to me, he, he asked me a question. He said, can we keep going? <laughs> now, I had been thinking about this logically. I, I thought, man, we got to wrap this thing up. We got to go home. Uh, we got to quit. But then something came over me spiritually. I got to thinking about all the people in our Bible who just said, you know what? I've come with a purpose to get something from God. And I just, I just got to thinking about it. I thought, man, God loves people whose response is, you know what? I may have fallen down somewhere along the way. I may have some sores in the journey. I may have some blood trickling down, and my clothes may be tattered. But I've got a question for you this morning, Lone Oak. Can we keep going? We may have fallen down somewhere along the way, but we serve a God that is filled with grace, and he's standing there with his arms wide open and so you may have gotten hurt in the journey and I don't care what you've been through or how bad it may get for you but God just wants to know you know what I've come to church this morning and it may not have gone how I needed it to go all this week but I've got a question can we keep going amen amen and the apostle Peter is an interesting character in our Bibles. He starts out as this fisherman, and he's called by Jesus to be a disciple, and then he becomes an apostle, and he preaches the day of Pentecost. And when the apostle Peter stood up amongst the twelve, he begins to preach. He does not debate with anybody standing around him. Uh, he doesn't have time to call his pastor and ask him what he thinks uh, that he ought to say to these sinners. No, he comes prepared. And it wasn't easy to get there. There was a lot of work, there was a lot of failure, there was a lot of heartache, there was even a denial process. Jesus had told him, he says, when you become convinced, you will do wonders. And Peter says, Lord, I am convinced. And, uh, and Jesus said, no, Peter, before the rooster crows, you will have denied me three times. And then when that rooster crowed, Peter had committed a sin against Jesus. And he goes and he weeps for about four or five days and uh, after that, at the end of that, he had decided at all costs the gospel must be preached. He was convinced now things 
were going to be different this time. Things, uh, it was going to be changed. And not even two months later, he is preaching the day of Pentecost. And his words, they come across as harsh. He is erupt. He's filled with emotions. Uh, he, he was a little bit too bold, if you ask me. He, he was young in Christ. And we see an example of his character when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane with Jesus. When the Roman soldier, when that centurion comes to Jesus and he touches Jesus, Peter whips out the sword and he cuts off uh, the ear of that soldier. Uh, he, he doesn't think about what he does. He doesn't care what anybody else thinks or how it comes across. And if, if you were to take Simon Peter and put him in the church today, I dare say that we might not welcome him. We would say, well, he's got a lot of work to do before we can use him over here, but he'll get there. He, he's got a lot of time before we can put him maybe on the platform. We can use him in this department over here, but maybe not that one up there. Uh, we need to polish him up and put him through this maybe six-month program, this four steps to uh, faith trial run, and then maybe give him a gifts test, and then maybe give him a subscription to the church's Spotify or something of that nature. And then maybe we can use the calling that God has placed on his life. And Understand me, this morning, I'm not saying anything against our church. I'm not saying anything against maybe your programs or your gifts test or even your church's uh, subscription to Spotify. I'm just saying this is who Peter is. I mean, you think about it. When's the last time that you saw someone cut someone else's ear off in the name of Jesus? That's just who Peter is. We would have been uncomfortable around him. That's just who he is. He's not this spectacular preacher. He's not a great writer. In fact, he says that Paul is sometimes even too difficult for me to understand. Uh, he's, he's probably maybe not that much to look at. He's been a failure, we know, in his community. Uh, he's, he's maybe not that talented, but fortunately for people like Peter, Jesus takes imperfections and he sets them on a rock. He'll take something that nobody else wants. He'll take something that's lost. He'll take a prodigal, a lost cause, things that people say, no, they'll never make it. They'll never be successful. They'll never change anything. They'll never be anything more than just a carpenter's son. That's what they said about Jesus. They'll never be anything more than a tax collector. That's what they said about Matthew, and he was despised by his community. They'll never be more than a waiter. That's what they said about the apostle Stephen. You'll never be anything more than just a servant. Why don't you just quit? You'll always be a Pharisee, Paul. You're just a murderer in the eyes of the Lord. You'll always be a hypocrite. You'll always be a persecutor of Christians. You're just a failed fisherman, Peter. You don't even know which side of the boat to cast the net on. You needed a carpenter to tell you how to fish. Why don't you just give up? Why don't you just quit? Maybe it's time to retire. Maybe it's time to throw in the towel. Apostolics, maybe it's time that you quit going to church. Maybe it's time that you just resign. Elder, I don't know that church is really for you anymore. Uh, young person, it's over for you. You made a mistake or am I the only one that's ever been called a failure? Am I the only one in the room today that's ever heard the 
voice of a liar and a deceiver so the voices of doubt in my life know the reality is is that we have all heard them and they say you will never make it you'll never be successful you'll always be a failure you ought to just lay down your calling and pursue something else maybe ministry's not for you maybe outreach isn't for you you'll always deal with mental health issues you'll always have problems and you will experience these types of voices in our world and even in our churches just like these men did just like we all have and you will be devastated by those who thought who you thought were in your corner you'll be heart wrenched by those who laid down the truth for a lie and you will hear voices tell you that you will never make it because life has some rather unfortunate certainties which we wish were not so seems as though that life here would be easier if we did not have to endure or persevere through particular phases of life you've seen life you've seen the sun rise in the east and set in the west you've seen ocean waves toss and turn you've seen streams flow endlessly into seas you've seen flags wave through the air from the wind it doesn't mean that you've failed doesn't mean that you've fallen doesn't mean that you've sinned it just means that you have lived and you will live through the grief of lost loved ones you will live through backstabbing betrayals and misguided insecurities and you will walk through valleys and you will climb to the top of hard to climb mountains and you will hear devastating diagnoses and you will battle wounded people it's just life since the fall if Adam and Eve if they never would have eaten of that fruit from that forbidden tree in the middle of that garden, then we wouldn't know things like redemption after loss or restoration after the moral failure. We wouldn't know healing after the injury. If Adam and Eve had not sinned, there would be nothing worn out that needed to be fixed. There would be no need for uh, restoration because nothing was broken. There would be no need for redemption because nothing had been lost. There would be no need for healing because nothing had been wounded. You would never know what it was like to stress over a a lost loved one or to have your joy fluctuate or your peace interrupted by a storm. We just live together in a perfect paradise. But that's not life. Life has pain. Life sees the sun rise and sees the sun set, yes. Life sees the waves uh, toss and turn. Life sees the hills that are hard to climb. Life sees the valleys. Life sees hurts sorrows, frustration, and disappointment. Life has pain. And the reality is that all of us have experienced these aspects of pain. And if you'd be real this morning, if you'd be real with me, if you'd be real with God, then you'd probably admit that you even have some pain in your life right now because statistics tell me that one in 10 students uh, deal with mental health issues and 20 to 25% of Americans suffer from depression. And one out of every six women have been raped and one out of every six men have been sexually assaulted. And per 100,000 people, there's 28 people that commit suicide. And the 
thought, well, maybe I ought to just quit becomes overwhelming. Maybe I ought to just drop out. Maybe I ought to just go home. Maybe I ought to never try again. Maybe I ought to just stop caring. Maybe I ought to just never develop the dream that God gave me. Maybe, maybe I ought to just stop going to church. I don't know that it really matters. I don't know if God really called me or am I the only one that has ever said, where is God? In my season of hurt, I've looked around and said, Lord, can you even hear me? Do you even hear me when I pray anymore, God? Am I the only one that's ever experienced that? No, that voice that says you're never going to make it. My dream is shattered and now pain is ever lingering. My family broke up and now pain has taken over. It didn't go how it was supposed to go and now pain is ever present. I ought to just give up. I should just resign. I ought to just quit now and now pain eats at your soul and every horrid mentions of your trauma. But I've come to tell you this morning that pain must be dealt with and trauma must be addressed. Oh, oh, you can't let pain rule your life. No, I'm talking to people that have endured these aspects of life. Uh, young people who've been through broken homes, adults who've just said, I can't take it anymore. And there's a joy that you've been robbed of. And there's a peace that's been taken from you. And there's a situation that continues to haunt you. And it takes your love. And it destroys your soul. But I've come with good news for you this morning. And that is that John 10.10 would write. He says, but the devil comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And so you might have walked in this morning. And you might be hurting. And you might be some kind of statistic. And hell may have hurt you. And hell might have robbed you of something. Hell may have stole something from you. But if hell could kill you, then you would already be dead. But God has a purpose for your life. God has something destined for you that is greater. And the purpose that he's already started within you is going to continue. And you're here today because hell couldn't kill you. They could only weaken you. If hell could destroy you, then it would. If hell could stop the call of God from continuing that's on your life, then you wouldn't be here today. You wouldn't have come to church today. You would have just kicked back and said, you know what, I'll just do something else. I'll just spend my time somewhere else. Oh, but if hell could steal your faith, and if it could steal what is good, if it could steal what is right, and what God has called you of, and if it could rob you of love, but you are more than just a number, but your pain must be dealt with, and your trauma must be addressed at the feet of Jesus and at the mercies of God. Oh, I wonder if we can lift our voice today. I wonder if we could just press into that for a moment. You might be just some kind of number, but Isaiah says this. He says there's going to be strength that comes to those that turn the paddle back toward the gate. And Jesus said this. He said the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And David said this. He said, devil, I may be weak this day, but I'm still anointed. You may be weak this day, but you're still anointed. You still have purpose. You're still God-given destiny is ahead of you. It's in front of you. You may have fallen somewhere along the way, but I got a question. Can we keep going? Amen. The reality is we've all heard the voice of the failed fisherman. And in the middle of his failure, in the middle of his pain and middle of his trauma, the answer and the author and the finisher of our faith 
stood on a sandy seashore next to him. And he would say a phrase that would forever change that fisherman's life. And the fisherman didn't have anything else to lose. And there's just something special to God about people who have nothing else to lose. Someone who's willing to give it all. Someone who's willing to say, you know what, Lord, I'll give you every part of me. You can have every corner of my life. I've already put this much time into it. What's, what's a little more going to hurt? I've already prayed this much for a miracle. Why not just pray again? I've already prayed six times. Why not just pray a seventh time? I've already spent 10 years devoted. Why not just spend another 10? I've already been here 25 years. Why not just spend another 25? If I quit now, if I give up now, then I won't get what, what God has for me. If I quit now, I'll lose it all. And so Simon Peter, he sells out living for God and that day when Jesus calls his name everything changes oh there's still dark days Oh, there's still days that he just weeps because he's a failure. There's still days of disappointment and regret. There's still times that, uh, that he just is, is realizing that he is nothing. But when he realizes what Jesus could do after his failures, after his trauma, after his pain, I think I'll join that old songwriter when he sang, when I think of his goodness and what he's done for me, when I think of his goodness and how he set me free. It reminds me why so many years ago I sold out living for God. It reminds me why I said, Lord, I'll just give it to you because my past has already happened. My shame and my regret's already there. And if I gotta go through the fire, I'd rather it be Jesus standing next to me in the flames. If I've gotta go through the storm, I'd rather it be Jesus that's guiding my boat through the water. If I've gotta go through it, I might as well just give it to God. Man, and Peter says, I will give it. I, will try. I wouldn't trade it for anything. I'll, I'll buy it. And the Bible paints us a picture of the greatest day in the history of the church. No, it's not the day that Peter cuts off the ear of the soldier. It's not the day that Peter goes and he just weeps because he's just a failure. It's not the day that Jesus bled from the whips, the chains, the thorns, the sword, or the nails. It's none of those days. But the greatest day for the history of the church is the day of Pentecost. And the message that is preached to humanity, it is not the message that we want to hear. I'm sure there were some standing around saying, he's just a little too bold for my taste. He's just a little bit too loud for my liking. Uh, he's just a little bit too much for me. He needs a little bit, uh, maybe, maybe calm down on the emotionalism. Apostolics, just be quiet. You're, you're a little bit too loud. Apostolics, just take out some of the emotionalism. Just Apostolics, just preach half-truths. Just leave the praise out. Uh, you're, you're outdated. You need to update. You will never make it. And Peter, that day, he preaches to a group of sinners that come to him. And they say, what do we do to be saved? And he stands up and the message that he preaches, he preaches repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And the promise is unto you. It's unto your children. It's all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And that day... 
3,000 people are added to the church because one person sells out and the audience buys the truth. Apostolics, why don't you just quit? Haven't you been afflicted enough? Haven't you had enough yet? Why don't you just stop? What's the point anymore? Oh, but there's going to be a day that you can no longer buy into this truth. There's going to be a day that you can no longer step into this event, that you can no longer sell out living for God. And like Peter, you will fail. You will have heartache. You will see days of disappointment. There will be stressful, stressful times inflicted by the adversary. But I think I'll join the old hymn writer and sing. I will cling to the old rugged cross. I will hold on to the old rugged cross. And in exchange, someday I'll exchange it for an eternal crown. And our text it mentions today dealing with the afflictions, holding on through sorrow's heartache. And that message that message that was preached that day is preached to a stagnant church. And I, I don't feel that today from you. I don't feel that I'm here today preaching to a stagnant church. I, I told your pastor, I, I said, Pastor Micah, this is maybe my favorite church that I've ever preached at. Maybe I'm not pre, I don't have this long list of uh, resume of all the places that I've been, and this is just the greatest. But y'all, of the places that I have been, I love your spirit. I love what I feel here. I love, I love it. But one of the greatest deceptions of the adversary is that you let your guard down so that he can take you piece by piece what it is that you stand for. The enemy doesn't want your life. He wants you for the truth that you profess. And if it means your life, then so be it. The enemy doesn't want your life. He wants you for the holiness that you embrace. If it means your life, then so be it. If it means your soul and your salvation, then let it be. But he wants you for the convictions that you have in a convictionless world. And the devil can't kill you, so he just wants to steal from you. He wants to chip away from you. He wants to take what it is that you stand for, and that is the truth and the word of God. Amen. Amen, musicians. I don't know if y'all want to come back. I don't know how y'all do things. But if you want to come back, please. I'm coming to a close. But one day, Jesus is going to look at some and he's going to say, well done. You did it. Well done. You, you held on. And you will receive an eternal crown of life. And you'll walk down streets of gold. And you'll walk through a pearly gate. But there will be a day that you can no longer buy into this truth. There will be a moment that you can no longer give it back to God. The Lord will look at some. You'll say, well done, my good and faithful. He'll look at others and say, depart from me. I never knew you. I never knew you. And the Bible gives us a clear depiction of someone who had every opportunity 
to live for God. Every opportunity to sell out living for the truth. The Bible tells us in Luke chapter, I believe it's 19, about a rich man. And the rich man lived however he wanted to live. He was rich. He had the nicest clothes, uh, a mansion, a beautiful mansion, a beautiful home. And outside of his mansion, there was a, uh, a beggar man by the name of Lazarus. And every day that the rich man left his house, he had to walk by this man that sat outside of his gates. And all Lazarus, the Bible tells us all Lazarus wants is he just wants the crumbs from the rich man's table. All that he wants, he just wants something to eat. And instead, what the rich man does is he lets out his dogs and they go and they lick Lazarus's wounds. And the scripture tells us that one day the rich man, or Lazarus dies, he is taken up to a place called Abraham's bosom. And then the rich man dies and he's buried and he's taken to a place called Hades. And the rich man looks up, he's in this lake of fire, and he looks up and he sees Lazarus. And beside him he sees Father Abraham. And he cries out and he says, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Can you send Lazarus to dip his finger in a cup of water and touch it to my tongue so I can have a moment of relief from these flames? And Abraham says, I cannot. He says, there's a gulf between you and I. He says, I can't get to you and you can't get to me. And so the rich man looks back up and he says, well then, Father Abraham, he says, I've got five brothers back home. He said, can you tell Lazarus, can you send him back from the dead and tell my family not to come to this place? And what I find in your Bible is maybe one of the most thought-provoking passages of Scripture. Abraham says, I cannot. He says, they have Moses and they have the prophets. In other words, if they won't listen to the ministry they have in their pulpit now, they wouldn't listen to a dead one sent back to tell them. Hey Amen. Would you stand with me? Young man, what's your name? Matthew, do you mind giving me a hand real quick? I won't embarrass you. Do you mind coming up here with me? It's all right. Come on. Come on, Matthew. I just need you to sit down right here. Just sit down right here on these steps. Okay? Right here. Thank you, Matthew. Good man. Good man. Sit right there. Yeah. All right. Kick your feet out for me as far as you can right here. Okay. Okay. So, here we are. I'm the rich man. This is my Lazarus. Matthew's going to be my Lazarus today, all right? And so here's what the scripture is telling us. So Lazarus's name, anybody know what Lazarus's name means? 
It means whom God has helped. Some translations say whom God has sent. So we know because Lazarus went up, we know. We know that he is a believer. It is safe to say that he is a believer because he went up. Okay? And the scripture says that we know what you got to do to be saved. Scripture says, repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the mission of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Okay? We know what we know what it takes to go up. Amen? We know that. Lazarus is a believer. It's safe to say that, okay? So here's what the Bible is telling us. That every day that the rich man left his house, he had to step over a believer on his way to hell. Every day that the rich man left his house and came back in, he had to step over someone that God had sent, that God had helped. And this is what I've come to tell you this morning, is that if you're going to go to hell, you're going to have to step over a believer that God has placed in your life. If you're going to go to hell, you're going to have to step over someone that God has sent to keep you out of that place. If you're going to go to hell, you're going to have to step over a Sunday morning church service. You're going to have to step over a Wednesday night Bible study. You're going to have to step over a camp meeting. You're going to have to step over a conference. You're going to have to step over a holiday youth convention. You're going to have to step over a midweek prayer meeting. If you're going to go to hell, you're going to have to step over a lot of grace and a lot of mercy and a lot of love and a lot of forgiveness. If you're going to go to a fiery pit, you're going to have to fight your way into it because God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. If you're going to go to hell, you're going to have to step over who God has placed in your life to keep you from going there. If you're going to go to hell, and this is what I find so provoking, is that if you're going to go to hell, we've all got family members that are there now, and they're praying, they're saying, God, send my baby a preacher. God, send my baby somebody to tell them not to go to a lake of fire. Hey Amen. I wonder who I preached to today. I wonder who I preached to today that you'd get out of your pew and you walk down to an altar and you'd say, you know what, Lord? I may have fallen somewhere in the journey. I may have fallen somewhere, but I'm going to live for God. I wonder who I preached to today that you'd want to come down and reaffirm your faith, that you'd want to commit your life and say, you know what? I'm not going to step over an altar call. I'm not going to step over because God sent me to tell you, church, that you're going to have to fight your way into it. God's not willing that you perish, but that all should come. Oh, I wonder who would come down tonight, this morning. I wonder who'd step out in faith and you say, you know what? I'm going to step out because if, I, if I've got to go through the fire, I'd rather it be God that's with me. I'd rather it be the Lord that's there beside me. If I'm going to go to heaven, I'm going to have to step over a whole lot of things. Oh, come on. I wonder if you get the hand of a neighbor. And you say, come on, neighbor. Come on, we ain't going to that place. I'm going to do whatever it takes not to go there. Oh, come on, I wonder if you'd step out right now. I wonder if there'd be a believer because God sent you. God is sending you right now. He's sending you help. He's sending you victory. He's going to send you hope. Come on, I wonder right now. I wonder if you lift your voice. Come on, you got a family member and they're praying on the other side of eternity for you. You've got a family member and they're praying, God, send them somebody to keep them out of this place. Oh, come on, church. Come on, church. I wonder if you'd seek after the Lord.